face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. And we're on the air! Yay. On another exciting, <laughs> on another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek, where we're focused on Star Trek: The Next Generation, and I'm joined once again by Tracker Prize Gary. Nice to be Hello. back. Welcome, welcome back. Uh, we thought we might have the Doctor; he might still appear, but uh, family calls, and we totally appreciate that. And so, he may not. He may or may not pop into this episode so that there's no surprises there. Uh, so, <laughs> this is the, the, the episode before the last episode of the season. So it's very exciting for a number of reasons. <laughs> uh, and it's called Transfiguration. Do you, uh, do you want to do the summary or should I? Uh, no, it's, it's, your, it's yours this time. It's my... <laughs> this is my... Um, well, okay. So the crew and Dr. Crusher are called, uh, they're responding to a distress call and there's a crashed uh, shuttle pod of some kind on a planet and uh, they discover that the uh, that three out of the four um, uh, crewmates, crew of the pod are, are dead and one is, uh, is extremely uh, uh, injured, like severely injured. I mean like Actually, it's pretty cool. The in the scene, you you actually see like the whole side of his face is ripped off, and you see his like uh, jaw and things like that. So this is a really heavily damaged uh, person, and uh, so they beam him back to the Enterprise uh, after doing some really cool techie stuff and uh, start to restore him back to health. But there's more to meets the eye. His recovery is extremely quick, and Doctor Crusher thinks that. Uh, her efforts shouldn't be yielding the results that they're uh, uh, that they're yielding, and she discovers that he's actually a time lord and that he's regenerating on the table. Wow. <laughs> no, okay, sorry, that's a lie. That was a clever lie. Wow, I was like, where, where are we going to make this conversation? Where are we summary? But he does. He does have a gold light that uh, he does regenerate. Oh, and he has a gold light that emanates from him. But anyways, that's 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 for <laughs> the deeper discussion. He uh, so John Doe starts to heal. He and he can't remember his, anything about himself or who he is or what his race is. And so the Enterprise is working on trying to figure that out. 
the Enterprise crew is trying to work on figuring that out while Dr. Crusher is responsible for his rehabilitation. But she finds herself becoming extremely uh, uh, attached to John Doe more than uh, you you normally would be for a patient. Uh, there's something about him uh, she describes to Wesley as uh, extremely charming and compelling. And so she's not quite sure how she feels about him, but she's very drawn to him. And the same seems true for John Doe. Uh, throughout the episode, we had some uh, really interesting moments while we're trying to uncover the mystery of where he is. And finally, Jordy and uh, Data, you know, crack the code on one of his uh, ship's con- computer components, and they're able to uh, use some fancy uh, uh, computing skills to to figure out where the uh, the shuttle pod originated from and when uh john doe is uh informed that he's going to be going home suddenly his feelings and memories start to awaken and he realizes that that's not a good idea and he's resistant to it uh but he still can't remember why so the mystery continues finally we encounter the zarconians um i think that's that's what their names yes we encounter the zarconians <laughs> and they inform Picard and the crew that John is actually a prisoner and that he's dangerous to society and that he must be killed. And when Picard uh, and the crew who are baffled by this because he's so uh, amenable, um, then the Zarconians get mad and threaten everyone by using some kind of interesting weapon which causes everyone to choke to death. Uh, John, meanwhile, has been going through a transformation where uh, his body glows uh, this golden light, and it has to do with the mutation of his cells. And uh, everything comes to kind of like a a head where... Oh, I kind of skipped ahead. (laughs) Going back, he... Anyways, he starts to exhibit extraordinary problems powers like healing Miles's uh, arm that might have been broken and then even bringing Worf back from death. Um, Worf dies in this episode and, and John actually brings him back to life. It's a big deal. Yeah, Anyways, um, so the Zirconians are afraid of him, but the crew of the Enterprise can't understand why because everything they've witnessed about him is the contrary. So Captain Picard tries to stall and uh, takes up um, the defense of John, but uh, the Zirconians are absolute. They start choking everyone on the Enterprise, and that's when John's full memories awaken and he realizes who he is and he starts saving everyone on the ship by emanating this wonderful healing gold light throughout the ship. Uh, and then he confronts the Zirconians and uh, evolves right before our eyes into the next plane of existence for this species. And it's like this, uh, uh, you know, basically a ball of energy. And then he offers this to uh, the Zarconian commander, but the commander's afraid and and startled by all this and refuses. And then uh, he says, if you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And he influences his planet, hopefully, to evolve as well. I think that's it. That's it. <laughs> that was the whole episode. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> what were your thoughts about this episode? Wow. <laughs> There's silence. I don't even know where to start. I mean, uh, yeah, John Doe was a character. Um, he's he's kind of interesting. Um, the... Um, the alien who doesn't know where he's coming from and then he regained consciousness later by by later but then his um his like instincts are working as well so every time when something's happening with him um he don't know why or he don't know where is it coming from but 
<laughs> no, because I just, I just heard something. But it's fine. It's, it's, I hope it's fine. Uh-oh. It's late night in... In, in England. Uh, in England, and, you know, those 500-year-old buildings, they have creepy stuff going on. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's very concerning. But anyhow. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it's like his instincts are working still, so he, he's like... In a, in, a, in, a, in a different level, he's still aware of um, of what's happening with him and who is he. But at the other same at the same time, he doesn't really remember anything, and he doesn't really know who is he or why is he there or what is he going through. So it's like um, an interesting struggle that uh, I think in this case we can see um, going on in 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 a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a in an individual <laughs> case so and obviously he's really um he's really affecting um, well positively of course um the um crew of the enterprise and he does um, like healing stuff as well that he don't know why he did it but he did it and then all we later on we get to know we all that's all part of the transformation the transfiguration process and all the mutation as well so it's it's i think it's it's in a way it's really interesting to see really how um he becomes the next step of um, the evolution of his race. Um, you can witness it through this episode, and it's it's just just something beautiful. And and obviously, then you have uh, Sudan of Zagdor. Uh, then you know Sunad. Sunad, yes, sorry. So you have you have Sunad, <laughs> and um, he's Zirconian, uh, Zag- which sounds doesn't in uh, the, or maybe I'm mixing it up, but isn't that the name of? Um, in uh, Galaxy Quest, is, aren't the Zarconians the enemies or something like that? I forget. Or no, the, like the good guys? No, those are. Um, I, I don't know. The Platu? I, I don't know. I don't. I, I oh, yeah. The, maybe that's. I have to refresh is, my Cla- memory about Galaxy Quest. Platu, Niktu. Platu, Niktu, Barada. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. <laughs> I don't know where, where I was. Hang on. I think. <laughs> I, don't know where I don't know where I am. Um, Hold on, <laughs> we'll save you. <laughs> Here, okay, so we've okay. saved you. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I don't remember where you were either. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about you know the regeneration and the, the oh, evol- Sunad. evolution. Oh, Sunad was the ne- oh, that's and why. Yeah, so, and, and, yeah. and okay, yeah, that was it. So he was basically afraid of of the new. He was he really thought, okay, this is a threat against the race and against his people. Although it was just a natural course of evolution in in this case, it at least that's how it appeared to be. Obviously, there's going to be a long evolution or process, but some people got to... But could you imagine... Okay, let's just say you are hanging out with one of your good friends, uh, and she suddenly starts glowing from her chest and having a convulsion, and uh, strange things start happening around her. Like, it must be really... Uh, it must have been really shocking for this society. Like, what what got them to treat these people as though they're fugitives? Um, I think wasn't was not addressed in the show very well, um, and it's something that I would have liked to have understood a little better. Like, it, I still like the episode, but I felt that that was something that might have been missing from it because it, it is it is kind of a weird. I think Captain Picard tried thing, to you know? um, touch on the on the topic and the subject he wanted to get 
to know more about right, why and he, just but he just you know just ignored all of his requests like no it's not not a, not of your concern none of your business yeah it's true. like just what the hell are you doing just give, give me back my person and i will you know do the necessary steps but it's nothing to do with you which in one way it's totally fair because it's internal uh, political um this uh, thing that they should not interfere with as long as they are not you know part of the federation and but even if they're part of the federation they shouldn't do that because that's against the prime directive i yeah it's pro- i mean picard has that conversation in the ready room i mean the uh, conference room with the team and you know even though he agrees with dr crusher um which by the way i really loved all the the dialogue in this episode was some of the best i think to just like the episode's not very complicated but i think there's a lot of great dialogue and that scene stood out to me as one in which you know picard's trying to show that yes he does care about john doe but that he has to consider the prime directive and and you know we have to remember also that the enterprise is the furthest out its its mission is to keep going further into uncharted or like lightly charted mostly unknown space so when they encountered uh beings like the zarconians they know of the federation and they probably have had dealings with the federation but they're not super well known so i guess there is an air of mystery to the zarconians and they just don't want to be well known as we saw like they're a very closed society but it is cool i do love the scene at the end where um Picard uh, says that they feel privileged to be the witness to the birth of a new species because that's really what's happening in a morph suit. <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, I wrote in my notes that I felt this was an extremely heavy science fiction and medical science episode. There's a lot of uh, jargon and technical dialogue between the characters like the whole opening it's like i don't know is it like i remember being very fascinated as a kid like whoa like is any of this stuff based on reality and of course nowadays i remember um uh when when this episode came out i had a discussion with a friend of mine she she later went on to pursue biology mm-hmm. um as her as her career as her degree and we actually got into a fascinating conversation because she was she was really fascinated by the idea that dr crusher says that they're going to create a virus to help heal him like it's like while they're trying to resuscitate him on that you know in the medical scene mm-hmm. after they've been back to the enterprise she's like I can't repeat from memory what she says, but it's like, you know, the interphysic plasma, blah, 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 (laughs) and all this stuff. And she says, we're going to use a virus, we're going to create a virus to do some sort of healing factor thing on John Doe. And and she was so uh, interested in that. And uh, we were having a conversation more recently, and she said that, like, a lot of the things that resonated with her in Star Trek had to do with the hard science, like, and that even though it is mostly you know technical babble it doesn't it's not a lot of it's nonsense there's a lot of it that's actually uh based on science and they they hire um technical and scientific consultants all the time to come and help out with the script so i wouldn't be surprised if like that were the case and nowadays we're finding that you know a lot of the and i there's a really great interview with lavar burton uh where he's talking about this um uh at 
one of the comic conventions or something that I saw on YouTube where he basically says, like, Star Trek really has been very important in dreaming up uh, the future of technology. So the things that you see, like the pad and like, you know, the way the computer, they interface with the computer are all now 30 years later, uh, things that don't seem like science fiction anymore. They all seem like very real to us because we all have these devices that resemble what you see in Star Trek and, you know, not Star Trek alone, but, uh, but in the, at the time of the, of Star Trek, there was so much, uh, technology on the show that inspired young uh, young uh, engineers and scientists and things like that and so you can't you can see the influence on modern on the modern day and I, I love that kind of thing about it and that's something about this episode that now watching it all these many years later <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing it I'm like wow you know we really have come a long way in some areas and like as far as human you know advancement is concerned and we're not quite glowing gold and turning into beings of light yet but we're certainly in my own personal time we've seen some pretty cool advances in in medicine and and technology in general yeah, absolutely absolutely <laughs> and um i've just um, i've been reading articles as well because um apparently they um looking forward to develop a tricorder a medical tricorder so they there's quite a big research is, uh, for, for that sort of era as well and also warp drive if just to mention yeah, something the, um, else so that, that's been theorized as well and it's, it's not impossible to have, to have one day so it's like incredible and Google Glass was first seen in <laughs> DS9 that's, a, that's right well no I mean we kind of saw it in TNG in the episode where Wesley's uh, playing that video game that he's addicted to oh yeah but of yeah, course but of course, Jordy's visor is also like another <laughs> another kind of yeah interface. I mean, it's it's doing all kinds of things, including recording interactions if he wants them to, yeah. as we you know as we've seen on the on the show. So really amazing, um, but not surprising because the people who who have gotten to dream up well, Gene Roddenberry, of course, uh, who who's a visionary, considered a visionary. Uh, his he's also considered a futurist because his whole mission uh, behind Star Trek was to show a better how how humanity could be in the future, like what what we could look forward to if we apply ourselves and and focus on the embitterment of humanity and every person, not just a few people. So absolutely, it's pretty. No, cool. I totally agree. <laughs> totally agree with you and with Gene as well. Bless him. <laughs> Yes, the the great bird of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> He's still with us, still guiding us through. He's still there. Um, yeah, so I liked a lot of that stuff. Um, the Neuralink was pretty cool. Oh yeah. The so what was happening there was uh, uh, here's this. You know, John Doe's in like terrible condition. He's he's dying, and so they use Jordy's neuro uh, infrastructure yeah. and remotely line it up so that um, he can stabilize his heartbeat and things like that. Mm. But that, so that was I have to cool. state that um, that um, makeup on John Doe in the in the very beginning that was something incredible. I mean that, you know, all the brain parts are we're seeing and all the jaws and the teeth and everything so that, that, that well done for the for the makeup department because that's something wow. By that time that was I think that was something something really big. Oh yeah, there you go. 
Yeah, for the audience that is watching us on YouTube, uh, it looks like a behind-the-scenes photo from Next Generation. You can see here, uh, the, as Gary referenced, like it is pretty gruesome, although it was done very tastefully. And I also noticed on the remastered version, it seems like the background of that crash land site was different too. Yeah. But anyways, um, there's definitely exposed brains and teeth, and it shows uh, what a genius uh, Michael Westmore... Did I get his name right? I think, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, Michael Westmore, the makeup artist genius behind Star Trek. There's a cool... Um, uh, one of the commenters on our comment section, um, uh, he uh, he presented a link to a, a feature, an interview with uh, Michael Westmore that I haven't finished all the way through, but it was it was pretty compelling to start with. And if I didn't have to go to work, I would have totally oh, yeah, watched I remember it all. That. <laughs> I, saw, I saw that on Twitter as well. I, I have to yeah, that's that. where the exchange was. Yeah. It's all timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly for I me. Know. I can't remember where... <laughs> where everything everything is these days it's a lot to keep up with for this uh old android over here but um (laughs) uh that was that was another thing that was really great um was to see his different stages of healing and then he you know they reattach his arm of course and i like the set with the lasers reactivating and then the the muscle there's a lot of medical technology in this episode actually i just i'm realizing how much of a showcase it was about what the future for medicine could be like but anyways they had the muscle stimulation things and of course we can imagine those work with something kind of like bluetooth nowadays and she's probably just like you know sending signals from her iphone it's awesome (laughs) (laughs) which she doesn't have she has a pad (laughs) the personal access is it personalized access device or something like that or i forget what it's pad stood for um find out i re- i also wrote a note here what did you think of the scene where wesley and and uh beverly. um beverly are having a discussion at dinner i would do you remember that scene yeah i do um i i felt kind of beverly had a crush on on him not on wesley obviously and on um on john doe so he was. He, yeah, yeah, she, was, she was expressing actually her feelings, like she liked uh, him, obviously. But then Bessie pointed out, it's like, well, there's more, just you know, just an admiration towards the towards the guy. It was a really cute <laughs> scene. Um, what I, I, I mean, of course, there's all that in there, but just the way they're talking so naturally um, with one another is such a like refreshing uh, um, thing to see b- between. Too. Yeah, and well, and we have to remember now. It's kind of cool because we're actually seeing. You know, I, I think it's it's funny because um, it's easy to remember. It's easy to dismiss uh, Star Trek as a uh, like a series that you could pop in anywhere and and watch. Mm-hmm. But if you do watch it in order, I feel like there's a lot of really wonderful moments, mostly centered around characters, and you get these like little scenes that mostly I think. Um, uh, you don't you don't remember them at the end of like you know when you think about Star Trek you think of the Battle of Wolf three nine five nine <laughs> and you think of like you know all these like kind of epic things but then when you really think about Star Trek I think when you remember some of these like moments like this one I do think it's it's a wonderful way to inform people just of different kinds of ways we can interact and different relationships and I, I do remember like. 
watching uh, this episode and thinking, gosh, like, could I ever have a relationship like that with my parents? Like, I couldn't even imagine, like, <laughs> I thought it was fake at the time. Like, no kid uh, talks to their mom so so freely and so wonderfully, right? I think, yeah. But the, it, fact, it, the, but the fact is that's not the case. There are a lot of... Uh, relationships like that and now as as an adult and it kind of you know i was way younger than 18 when i saw this episode so i started to watching this episode it started to made me make me realize in my own personal journey through life that like i really enjoy where my relationship is with my parents now because we talk just like this Mm. it's very like you know there's not a there's not this like oh mom you're telling me what to do anymore (laughs) like we had with with uh troy it's more like you know mom this is what i'm doing or hey mom you know or dad this is what i'm doing so it is refreshing to see that you know a relationship like that is portrayed on star trek and it's a good positive reinforcement for kids to like to realize that hey you can have a a really great relationship with your parents and this is the end of my public service announcement <laughs> so, well, no, so. i think i think it's even come down to you know in time as well and you have to grow up to to become that person who will have a that sort of a relationship with their parents because you you can't expect like a five or six year old to have like that sort of um, thing going on with, oh, with their dads or something or even 15 you have to be at least i don't know 20 30 or or, or so you know just to, <laughs> you have your own opinion you have your own personality developed and and then then you can you can communicate with your parents as they are not just your parents they are like your friends and they i don't know just it's a bit more complex as a relationship than just you know having your parents around like mom can i go to the shop it's like no can i go to the... no you know, <laughs> you know it's like it's like can we can we talk about this yes no we can't have that i don't know so it, i'm pretty sure it, it requires a uh it requires, it requires time maturity and a, yeah on maturity both, yeah exactly. on both sides um, from both sides that's true I, because not just a kid have to grow up but um, the parents has to grow parents up as have well. to grow up too you have to <laughs> see so it from true. a different perspective very true Deep thoughts on Starfleet Boy with Checker Prize. Oh boy. <laughs> um, that's worth a t shirt too. I noticed. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> What's that? That's worth a t shirt too. <laughs> deep thoughts. Know, deep thoughts. Checker Prize on Starfleet Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, I noticed there's something different in Picard in this episode. I, I couldn't quite place it, but the closest I can come to it is that I got the impression that. Captain Picard was being respectful of Beverly's relationship with John Doe, but he he might have also been a little bit like interested to see if she, which you know, like without asking. Like I thought he just, I don't know. There was something there. What do you think? I didn't really notice that to be honest. Mm, okay. I thought like Picard was like a little jealous. Maybe is maybe you what reckon? I was thinking, but I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough one. We might have to ask the uh, audience to let us know what they think about that part. Um, I I like the um, the part in the. There's another story, a whole plot with Wesley, not sorry with Jordy um, and Worf. With, and well, Jordy and Worf, uh, but also uh, a romantic interest for Jordy. Um, what was her name? Um, Mrs. Henshaw, Christy. Yeah. Christy Henshaw. Is she? Now, is she just a civilian? Or because Riker doesn't give her a rank. He doesn't say, he says Mrs. Henshaw. Uh, so I'm assuming she's a civilian, Probably. which is interesting. Like, yeah. Maybe she's and just of a botanist you, or something. She, she, well, she well, was I mean, going she, down to the botanic um, lab. 
Well, the the neat thing about the Enterprise is because it's a mixed vessel, there's both civilians and Starfleet personnel on board. You do have like scientists that might do a tour of duty on the Enterprise or even just like family members of the crew along for the ride. So it's a very interesting ship like probably you don't um, really necessarily have to have, have to hold a um, degree or or education from Starfleet Academy you can just be a normal scientist and you can be assigned to the enterprise because you know along the way they go in there and then your or you could be lucky be enough useful. to be married to one of the Starfleet officers or something like that yeah. you know it's like and there's certainly we know there's a lot of kids on the enterprise so <laughs> yeah you know i mean they're not even they're just going to regular school and stuff like that very uh, very different from every other star trek it's we've a, never it's a gone space back city, to this basically it's a small yeah, station exactly. that goes planet by planet system by system yeah we've never gone back to that i think it would be interesting to go back to it though at some point it's a, it's not a bad a bad way to tell a story um but I like the scene where uh, they're trying to figure out the uh, the way that the um, the gel pod memory drive or whatever it is works, and mm. Worf's like, "Less talk, more synthahol." <laughs> oh yeah, he was so upset upset at the beginning. He's like, "What the hell's going on, guys? We came here to relax." And then Jordy suddenly just, "Yeah, you're right. Actually, I have something to, care, to take care of." It's like, <laughs> Um, I think we need to devote a little bit of time to something in the episode that's um, just a teeny bit um, disturbing. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to pull it up right now uh, and share it with the <laughs> with the audience if I can. Here, hold on. Uh, see here. Come on, there's got to be a a good picture of of this horrifying thing. <laughs> what? What is that now? One second. Now, oh, here we go. I found one. Okay, this will be a good thing. All right. So, uh, I think we have to devote a little bit of time on the show to talk about uh, John Doe and his uh, outfit that he's wearing. <laughs> oh, what's wrong with his Which, outfit? It's a, it's a it's onesie. Just a, it's a little bit too tight for my comfort and a little bit too uh, too form-fitting. I think we saw a little bit too much of John Doe, if you know what I mean. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, whatever. Future fashion's really weird. On the one hand, you have some things that are really cool, and then on the other hand, everyone's wearing a onesie, or they call it a spacesuit. Yeah. Um, well, the, we kind of all remember um, Paul you know his Paul, or, yeah. or or seven of nine just i mean pers- personally i enjoyed some of the the way that the outfit contoured you know <laughs> certain features of of this performer but at the same time i'm like would people actually just like walk around wearing that on in the future like it just doesn't seem I don't know. It's a little cold on a starship. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> I think it's something similar. They 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 wore something similar in the motion picture. The first feature movie. You're right. You it remember. was a little less. I don't know it if was the a bit material more loose, was different. But, um, it was, a, it was, it was, it was still quite tight. Um, yeah. So I I think sometimes uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation <laughs> just totally misses the mark uh, with with costume choices. But at the same time, it is you know it, it's very. Uh, I do remember my the same female friend who went on to be a biologist. She was. Uh, quite taken with the the male cal- uh, the John Doe character as well, so maybe something to do with it was that you could see 
that he was pretty fit uh, <laughs> under this outfit. Have you ever seen, you go to conventions quite a bit, have you ever seen anyone cosplaying as John Doe? Has that ever come up? No, or? I, I don't recall anyone. Mm. They usually, you know, and even when I, I saw them on, on YouTube or something, but then they just, well, rarely. They don't, they don't do, like, uh, honorary characters, let's say. Um, they do the mud women's, they do mud, they do, obviously, the main characters. I saw, I saw, I saw a really good um, cosplay once. You I never saw was- an Okana? Like, no one ever Okana, dresses no. like Okana? No, not an Okana. You could pull off... You should do Okana as a, as a, well, as a cosplay. My, I, I have to grow my hair a bit longer. Huh. A but little yeah. bit. Not too much. You could do... Maybe. And I have to build <laughs> up my physics Okana. as well, because I'm, I'm not as good looking as him. But, <laughs> but I saw I saw Vidians once. Um, I saw Talaxians. I, um, do you remember oh, okay. that... Um, uh, I think Antidians from um, the... Uh, Earliest episode. The Salaeans and the Anticans. I think you told me about that. Yeah. The doggy, the dog-looking. No, no, kind the other one, the fish creature. Face. The Salaeans uh, are lizard creatures. I think they were. Oh, the Antidians, the, the ones Antidians, that. Oh, yes, that that uh, right, you're right. You're right. You did two. say that. So uh, I thought you meant Anticans. Yeah, I saw that, and <laughs> I even saw someone cosplaying a dilithium crystal. <laughs> the, ooh, did they have the? Did the Antidians have the fishbowl that they like? You know, like yeah, whatever. yeah. It was, it was, oh, it was wow. really cool. It was really cool. <laughs> but no, no, no one really cosplayed anything, anyone with latex apart from Seven of Nine. But yeah. <laughs> so okay. So drag, what did you think? I, of... I saw drag queen once as uh, as Laxana oh. Troy. Oh. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. Oh, <laughs> that is pretty cool. Uh, I'm dying to go to a convention, and one day I'll make it to one. It'll be t- super fun. Now you're going to a few conventions uh, this oh, yeah. coming season, yeah, yeah, right? Yes, um, just on this month, the end of this month, I'm going to London Film and Comic Con, and um, on next month there will be another um, Star Trek event from um, in in close to London, actually. Um, I think the it's a, it's a, one of the oldest uh, UK. Um, um, podcast uh, trackmate um, that they do their first convention called trackon so i'm actually going there oh. it's, it's going to be really interesting as well so uh, but that's next month in august so yeah I'm, 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 I'm privileged let's say i can i can go sometimes but it's it's rare <laughs> especially star trek <laughs> well, <ones. laughs> we look forward to uh seeing your updates and and stuff. I always have a fun time when you go to the conventions. I vicariously feel like I'm there with you. It's cool. <laughs> nah, definitely. I'm. <coughs> we'll be there. Uh, so the score for this episode uh, was pretty cool, and it was. Uh, I sensed, uh, especially in the scene where he heals Miles, I sensed a little bit just from the way that it sounded. Uh, Dennis McCarthy, and sure enough, it is. Uh, it is him uh, scoring here. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it's him. Ooh! Wow, I heard just heard music. It wasn't me. <laughs> really? I I didn't do anything. <laughs> you didn't hear that just now? It was like tick 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 doon doon. No. Oh wow! That might, might be one of your neighbor. No, it was like a pre-recorded thing. It was pretty cool. It's probably something that's happening on my. Oh, maybe web browser. browser, yes. 
Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> Audience, I'm hearing voices. Oh, here it is. Do, that's do, what it is. Okay. Algonians again. See, there you like, go. <laughs> it's totally in my mind. I've never lost it. Um, uh, some of the the other scenes with Worf and Jordy we were talking about, uh, which were interesting earlier, were the just Worf's idea of how you should, you know, um, court a young lady versus uh, that Jordy. was hilarious. I mean, Worf, Worf teaching Jordy how to date when he can't get a girl. I mean, he's, and he's like, he's like you, you have to learn a lot from me. It's like from you, <laughs> little really. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> you got turned down by Kalar before. But, but Worf doesn't think of it that way. I think he thinks, like, you know, there's no woman on the Enterprise that's capable of handling a Klingon, so he doesn't even try to, to date. Um, and I'm pretty sure if he would go it, for dating, uh, he would be more like as a, as a conqueror because Klingons are warriors, and he's a warrior. Right. And he wants he's to conquer and, the woman. But he was successful with Kalar. Well, yeah, sort of. <laughs> he was, I mean, you know. And even he had a thingy going on with um, Deanna Troy. That's true. And then he got together with Jetsia Ducks. That's true. We So, you know, Worf is quite the ladies' man. <laughs> well, not just like Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Worf definitely has um has a couple of, like, I, w- I was actually thinking, it's like, why are you teaching Jordi? But then Jordi become became really um, extremely confident actually um, after this encounter with, um, with John Doe which is also an interesting um, thing how, how the character changed because uh, Jordy had a lot of problem with ladies before um, and it's interesting in the show it's just like a flip of the switch because of this encounter and now I don't think Jordy goes back to the old way I think from now on if I recall Jordy's a lot more confident in general so I wonder what what's really happening there. Like, is the show trying to say that like somehow the whole crew evolves? You know, <laughs> I think <laughs> it's, no, like it's, it's, um, it's 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 interesting because at the end of the episode, when Jordy woke up to John Doe and he said, "It's like I don't know what did you do, but since our encounter, I'm feeling more more confident, and you just gave me so much." And John Doe said, "Okay, I I didn't give you anything. I just I might just help you." To find that that you already had, and um, it's true, and it's it's actually quite uh, quite interesting. So maybe because that's that comes down to a normal life as well. If you think about it, if um, I have something that I like, I have a talent. Like like we talked about this and off camera, like I I draw, but I don't think I'm like a good drawer, uh, good um, person who who um, you know have good drawing skills. But then I have it, but I just can't see it. And I think it's it's not worthy. But then someone comes along and, and says, "Wow, this is this is amazing!" And you know, I just I just want you to to do all of these and to like I want you to do this because it's it's awesome, and it, it has value and quality in it. Then you might just you know realize, okay, that, that that actually you know, and if it connects with people, then that fits to the picture. But in this case, in George's case, it's really just. That what happened. The encounter with John Doe helped him to found find his um, his inner personality. That that's something that he he had, but he just didn't know how to bring along. Very very well stated. I agree. <laughs> and on that note, I would like to take a moment to say that um, I'm one of those people that appreciate 
and value uh, okay. your work as an artist. And <laughs> I'm pulling up. <laughs> I'm pulling up. This is our Starfleet Boy YouTube, and uh, the reason it looks so slick and amazing is all because of Gary. All of the artwork <laughs> that you see on Starfleet Boys on our YouTube and our website too. <laughs> and anytime I try, I try to. I hope I do a good enough job. I try to post uh, as much of it as I can um, everywhere. But just to let people know how talented and how um, creative you are, this is, like, really wonderfully done, uh, and and it's... Ah, I love it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm good you <laughs> like it, honestly. So, yeah, go check out Gary's, uh, <laughs> Gary's work. And uh, if you need a designer or an illustrator or an artist... Uh, of many talents, uh, please consider uh, working with Gary. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Like I'm getting weird, every, like like every awkward... time when I'm here. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. I just hope that wasn't too awkward for you. <laughs> That's very kind of you. If you need a really good photographer, then then really, honestly, uh, contact Starfleet Boy because he's amazing. He does really good. Like I, I can do the same thing, and I will. <laughs> I will spread the word around. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Uh, okay. Now that we're done <laughs> with promoting ourselves, yes. back to the episode. Uh, <laughs> I, I was wondering when um, when um, when uh, Worf died. We, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if it will come back to an episode or something, but um, it would have been interesting to actually know if he uh, saw Stovokor or not. The Klingon Afterworld? Yeah. Or never, I, I know, uh, this, this yeah. is just a totally um, uh, distanced thought, because obviously we didn't, the episode didn't really uh, go into that uh, scene, and, and I don't recall any um, episode that actually went into the, the explanation, like, okay, if, if you die, because he basically died. And um, there was one episode in Voyager when Neelix dies, and, and, you know, he came back to life because of Seven of Nine, but then, sorry, that's spoiler if you didn't see the episode, that's for fine. you and for the audience <laughs> too. Uh, so, so basically, um, he there's, epi- there's an episode just based on based on this fact. As uh, he believed in something, he believed in afterlife, and he 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 knew. Okay, there will be a, a garden, and there will be all the people who he lost all over his life, and and they will join and unite together. But then then he came back to life, and then. Maybe that's the explanation of Worf. I'm just, you know, I'm just so obvious. I didn't see it. I don't so and and technically, they he he was so upset because he he didn't see the picture that he was imagining. So basically, Worf came back to uh, to life after when he died, and it would have been interesting mm-hmm. actually to to go into this. Um, that's part. true. Even on the next episode or something, because you know, just he been just healed. He he died on the floor, and a couple of minutes later, he was he was alive. And wow, what did you just do? You know, <laughs> maybe he didn't remember be really, because it happened so it fast. It would have been a really, I don't know. I mean, like that sounds like it would have been a really great story for a comic book to explore, or even for, oh, a, for novel. a novel. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, it's very nice. I wonder if that already exists. Like, there's so much. Star Trek stuff out there and stories. It's amazing. It's, it's such never a huge, gonna be uh, never gonna be over because yeah, and you can't. We're at a point where you can't even possibly, I don't think, explore all of it in your lifetime. It would take a full time uh, devotion. Uh, <laughs> like more than a full. You need a team of people devoted to to keeping track of everything, which I think there is basically more or less at at CBS and Paramount. And if not, I would love to. Uh, 
create this team for you, CBS, and, <laughs> <laughs> and hire a few people, including uh, people that are already wonderfully involved with Star Trek um, on this team. Uh, George Lucas created a team like that for Star Trek, uh, for Star Wars. Uh, um, uh, Paul Hidalgo, I think his name is, and they're, they are the keepers of the canon, if you will. Oh, okay. um, Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it, it helps a lot, I think, because... I, that's the one thing I really, you know, it's it's one of those arguments like uh, people like myself enjoy when uh, you go out of your way to keep the continuity as tight as possible, mm-hmm. and then other people are like, "That's bullshit. Who cares? Why are you so caught up in that? It's about the story." Well, I agree, it is about the story. Uh, <laughs> it is, but, <laughs> but you, have to, you have to follow certain rules, especially well, especially when it deli- comes, comes down to Star Trek. It's true, but it's delightful when you do see those rules. As, as it were, or the continuity being uh, closely followed or, like, valid explanations yeah. for when it's not followed. So I, I do think it is... A, it, it's not necessary, but it is delightful. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's that's cool. But I knew so, even um, just to connect to this topic as well, and while I was watching the episode, and, you know, the Enterprise basically just um, when on on his in his route so see they didn't specifically go to somewhere or that nothing happened in terms of the ship um so everything happened in the enterprise and i was kind of thinking okay we in terms of star trek we only saw the adventures of the enterprise uh, the two enterprises the adventures of the s9 and and obviously voyager and and an enterprise and we're gonna see discovery and the shenzhou if we were gonna see space trek one day but um but there's so many ships, so many crew, and so many adventures going on. So basically everyone can just start a Star Trek story and then just tell their story in the Star Trek universe. Obviously, you know, respecting the canon and the continuity. But it's just just such an interesting thing. You, you got to see all this... Um, all these episodes, all these wonderful stories in... in, in let's talk about Next Generation. Uh, and... You can you can do your own next generation. I mean, there's a lot of lot of people out there who really carrying the the um, the Star Trek flame, and they they do wonderful jobs with um, you know telling their story in the Star Trek universe. And it's just I don't even know where where I was going with this, but well, I kind of I kind of sense <laughs> I kind of sense you were just expanding on the idea of how big Star Trek mm-hmm. is and and how expansive this universe is really and you know it's a it's a fascinating thing when the creator of a series like star trek um passes away there essentially is a someone has to pick up the torch as it were and fortunately i think the roddenberry family is quite heavily involved as consultants and just thought makers and just like um thought leaders i should say and like um you know people that i think who are involved in the production of star trek I I wouldn't doubt that they're going to the Roddenberry family and all the people that were involved that are left that are still around from the original series and you know the next generation and the uh, other productions they all in some ways I think many of them are still involved with Star Trek even if it's just by expressing their opinions about it which in my opinion has a, a lot of weight um, so as we go into Discovery, one of the things I'm actually pretty excited about is that, like, 
I keep reminding myself that Nicholas Mayer's Nicholas Mayer's involved and like that everyone involved is a fan of the show. So whatever radical changes are are laying ahead, if it has the core of Star Trek, I I can't be happier than that. <laughs> I might have a lot of complaints about little things like the designs and 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 I might not. Who knows? I might just be like, "Wow, this is w- exactly they nailed it." You know, it might it might be wonderful. Who knows? We'll see. I'm pretty but sure I, it will be um, lots of debate but, and lots of um, different opinions about Star Trek Discovery. They're already already. Oh no, lot. for sure. They're already, they already are. are. There's a huge schism online. I got into an interesting conversation a couple times on online, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, but but, yeah, but I'm uh, kind of sad they didn't approach uh, Brennan Braga or, or or even Rick Berman. Rick Berman was, you know, the, the second in command while uh, they're doing Next Generation. Yeah, and, and then and he, he took over the whole franchise and he did... A, I think he did a wonderful job. A lot of people used to, you know, hate him and disregard him, but I think he did a really good job keeping the original Trek uh, flame alive and just to carry, t- carry the t- Roddenberry I mean, vision. Over. It was a difficult thing because through up until, you know, the whenever Gene Roddenberry's involvement started getting less and less in Star Trek, which I think is around this this season, um, you know, the, the show in a way is being, like I said, passed, the torch is being passed. When the creator of Star Trek, who was such a person who believed in, like, uh, equality and, um, uh, you know, everyone getting along and conflict not coming from within but from external sources and he was a humanist and he had a humanist agenda there's just this like overwhelming feeling and this is not based in any kind of as far as i know gene roddenberry didn't make any statements like people of the world i give star trek to you as my gift you know like he never as far as i know he never did say anything like this but you get the strong impression that that's what gene roddenberry created the show for it was something bigger than just a franchise that he owned it was something bigger than a story that he wrote it was something bigger than a a show that he produced it was something much bigger than that to him it was uh, a way for a way to tell a story about humanity and what we can achieve and you know i know i keep hammering this in but i feel truly that that's what star trek is is about so when i look at like the different iterations of star trek and as much as i may um you know be a nitpicker about it if it stays true to that like if star trek it feels more about humans at their best than than you know conflicts and unnecessary violence and just gratuitous adventure you know, if there's a heart to the stories, it can't go wrong, in my opinion. It, it will do well. Um, and so I think the best Star Trek series, like The Next Generation, the original series, the films, the core of Star Trek, is so powerful because it, it's the closest to that vision, if you will. And Deep Space Nine, I think, is exemplary. And I do agree that it's a shame that if, if what you're saying is in fact true, where the new the the producers of the new series didn't even like invite them to the party, so to speak, <laughs> uh, you know, the people that worked on the previous Star Treks. I think that would be an, a, a true shame, and then I would well, see. So far as I know, I would feel, never been approached. Yeah, but that would be interesting to find out. I don't know. I don't have the. Re- I haven't looked into <laughs> too much news. I'm trying to stay open minded and 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 not you know and not expose myself to too many things but that would be interesting to me to know you know how much did the new producers honor 
or even just talk to some of the folks that worked on the the films before and the and the TV shows. Mm. But again, not they don't have to. You know, it's that's their prerogative. They're the new showrunners, the new the, the new bearers of the torch. But it would be nice to hear that they that they did do it. <laughs> well, I guess we have to wait and see. <laughs> September exactly. is not so far away anymore. So hopefully. No, it's true. Unless, they, right, unless yeah. if they change the year for 2018 instead of 2017, <laughs> that can still, still can happen. It's it's totally true. Um, if there's nothing else about this episode that oh, you have to say, a, I think we there's can. There's one thing Ooh. that I I noticed, and that's just like a behind the scenes um, thingy that I just wow. I was I, I never looked because it, it didn't really show in the HD version, um, the normal version, just in the uh, remastered one. When they were in the conference room at the very end of the episode, when they had this whole conversation with John Doe and Beverly and, and Data and Jordy, uh, the fabric, the space fabric, you can see where it was folding, folded. I know that's terrible. So I don't remember that in the original. <laughs> and even and even it's, it's, it's you can you can see the lights is you know coming coming a bit. Have through. you seen on Halloween like some people will wear that just the green, <laughs> like the green outfit. It's like a full body covering like of spandex. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this? Yeah. That's what it is. It's just a white version of that, I feel like. Wow. Or they might have been green and they chroma keyed it to white like that or white and gold or whatever. But yeah, it was not very impressive. No, it was I it was it wasn't really. And at one point I was actually um waiting for John Doe, you know, grabbing the um, the window from outside. I mean, you know, just to grabbing the <laughs> like because there's no mirror. No transparent no, was, aluminum. <laughs> As we know it from Star Trek Four. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it was a little bizarre um, because it's so recognizable. What it, what he was wearing is is just a onesie. <laughs> um, I think that I think that they could have. Uh, I I would have liked to have seen since it was remastered, anyways. And like, you know, I think I I remember vaguely. I remember reading that when they're remastering, it's a fine line because they want to be respectful to all the original. Um, effects artists yeah. that 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 did the the show, so they don't want to like completely like you know because because imagine like with CG technology being what it is, like you could really enhance the the effects. I mean, the Enterprise uh, sometimes you know like it, they could make the action scenes a lot more dynamic and fast paced and things like that if they wanted to, but they're respecting the original art form, I would say, and I think I like that. But I think this is one situation where I would not, if I were one of the original effects artists that did the show uh, in the in its original run, I would approve a hundred percent of an upgrade to the John Doe <laughs> uh, uh, ascendant uh, uh, body. You know, I would have yeah, liked it if they did like the jumpsuit, a cool morph suit, it's morph yeah, suit or something, like a CG character would have, like Doctor Manhattan, but but gold would have been really <laughs> wonderful. Uh, did you ever see? Um, can't remember the name of the the show. The Watchers, The Watchmen. Oh no, the no, comic book, The Watchmen. Oh, cool. So you don't know who Doctor Manhattan is? <laughs> I'm gonna have to pull up a picture for you. This is from to- something to- totally different. Is that the guy with the hat and um, and the raincoat? Not raincoat. It's like a trench no, coat. but that's correct. Uh, so that's I exactly the, the poster, the show. but I didn't watch the movie. Yeah, it's a pretty cool movie. It's like very dark. Um, but here's a uh, here's a. Uh, <laughs> Here's Dr. Manhattan. So imagine, like, the John Doe would have, like, looked like that, but gold (laughs) or whatever, you know. 
So interesting stuff they could have done. But at the same time, I do I do like that the sh- the remaster isn't like a reimagining of the special effects. I do like that they're trying to just enhance it for HD to make it look better. And it does actually, by the way, it, since it, we're on the topic, it's, it's the Enterprise looks gorgeous. Like the level of detail and everything that you see with the new remastered version uh, is beautiful, in my opinion. She she really is a beautiful ship, and in with this with these images, it's just wow. It's just wow. I know it's a shame that the Enterprise D didn't live past the first movie, but I really love the Enterprise E, so <laughs> I I'm not. I don't blame you. I, I, I do is, love the Enterprise E too. Yeah, the E is a gorgeous ship uh, in and of itself. So, and it has kind of like those ideas that I love. The nacelles are drawn back by the pylons are kind of slanted and it looks like the A a little bit. You yeah, know, it's, it's kind of a modernized of version <laughs> of, you know, the A. So they, they And even yeah. there's, there's a couple of bits that they kept from the original Enterprise as well. Um, the little details that they implemented to the design of the E. So they, they really meshed together the, the two, giving a modernish look the of the Enterprise. So it's truly really yeah, interesting, it's the design process of, of that. But... Starfleet Boy is not about starships, I guess. So it's <laughs> no, it's not true. even Joker, Joker Prize is, is not about star, uh, starships. I always say that. Um, but I do love starships. So if anyone thinks about I'm hating starships, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about starships too, but not as much. <laughs> not as much, it's true. All right, well, what's your rating for this episode? Wow. Um, I'll give a nine. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I give a nine. The, the, yeah, I I don't really see any big major issues with um, with the episode itself. Um, I think that's just just a backdrop, <laughs> just a star backdrop. That that's the only thing that. Uh, but that's not really something that you know. That I I didn't even notice it at the beginning because I didn't. But yeah, I, a good nine, a strong, a really strong nine. I'm pretty close to you. I, I really appreciate this episode too, and I liked again that it it's a return. It reminds us not it's a, not a return to because Star Trek: The Next Generation does this often, but it is an, an episode about exploration, an episode about uh, something new, like a new species, and I you know ideas and concepts that we don't see often. Um, so I'm going to give it an eight point five. Wow! Only because only because there were just a few things that I felt could have been expressed a little bit more i would have loved to have seen some just something more of zarconian uh the zarconian life or story or you know just a little bit more about the about the prejudices that the people have against the evolving zarconians and um although the plot device of having uh, John Doe loses memory doesn't allow for it. It might have been interesting to have a few flashbacks or something. So just close, but an 8.5 nevertheless, a very high rating. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's a um, couple of behind the scenes. I know the doctor is not here. Oh, and, yeah, uh, the doctor's not here. So uh, if you would be so kind, well, that would the, be great. The, this is also from uh, Trekcore. Um, so they state the episode was originally designed to be a love story for Dr. Crusher. However, that idea would uh, have to wait for uh, season four's The Host, which is totally, um, totally understandable. At the beginning, when I thought about the Transfiguration uh, episode, I thought, okay, this is the sort of episode when um, she gets involved um, romantically with the, with the secondary character. Um, 
the other uh, bits, uh, it says newcomer director Tom Banker uh, previously sold scripts to Magnum PI and The Fall Guy, as well as the directing as Kojak and Battlestar Galactica. Hmm. There's um, the Shalpad Albaz was previously seen in Times Squared and further featured in The Descent. Most your assistant bands were seen again in the ethics and I think in um, the, the fear of realm of fear or something that that was an episode too um, oh so that um, yeah that that's that's the band basically that she, he was wearing at the beginning to help him um, him walk walk yeah and um, the last bit that it says the last scene where John Doe evolves was done live with no special effects. Actor Mark Lamura donned a fluorescent orange suit which glowed on a special film used as required little touch-up. So it was, it was literally no special effect. That's interesting, though. <laughs> that is very cool. Hmm. Well, it's the suit. He's wearing the... He's wearing that suit that just... The onesie. So it's just, they just made a little glow and, and that's it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Sparklers and butterflies and you have a magical evo- evolution. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Well, I think uh, anything else interesting out there on the the webverse? Webverse? Um, no, I, I don't. I don't think so. I know that the actor who plays the captain on the Zerka was his name again. Uh, Sand. Uh, Sunad. Sunad. Adam. He's. Name. He comes Charles again Dennis. in Enterprise. Charles Dennis, he's a, he comes back to Star Trek in Enterprise and maybe even on Deep Space Nine, but I'm not sure. Ooh, let me just check. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the case. Well, he's actually quite an um, established person. I mean, he has writing credits, directorial credits, producer. He has one in soundtrack as well. Um, mm. He's in... There you go. Cheers to you, oh. Charles Dennis. Starts with a video video game. Actually, he um, he voices Surok. Ch- and here he is, uh, Chancellor Trelit on Enterprise. Oh yeah, Desert Crossing. In the desert, the Desert Crossing episode. Uh, what else? Oh yeah, nothing else in regards to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Ah, interesting. Very interesting indeed. Well, I think we've exhausted this episode. Gary, yeah, what do you think? I think yes, we did. <laughs> we transfigured was, ourselves as well. <laughs> we are, yes, I wish we could put this special... Did I ever mention that I love that you beam into your introduction video on your YouTube? That's a cool effect. Oh. I'm not sure how you did it, but that's pretty awesome. I totally forgot about that. I should, I should done it, do it again at one point. <laughs> I don't know if you're willing to do this, but I would like to be beamed in at some point as well. It's a, a neat, a neat trick. So if you want to <laughs> help me figure it out, I'll we'll do that yeah, offline. Yeah, we'll do it offline. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. We'll live long and prosper, long and, and prosper. we'll see you next time. Oh!